Guys, thanks so much. Uh, let's stand again and open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We're just going to read one verse, and then I will pray, and I won't repeat everything Dustin and uh, Wes said, but I do want to say thank you. And when you go on mission trips, you do grow closer together. Eric, my son, and I shared a matrimonial bed all seven days and uh, learned a lot about my son. So let us read John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this awesome day. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you. We love you, but we love you because you first loved us. And God, you are love. And from you flows love. You have revealed your love through your son, Jesus Christ. You give us your love through the air we breathe, the food you give us, the life you've given us, the sun, the stars, the moon, the rain, the food, clothing. You are the epitome of love. Father, teach us, show us, Fill us so that we may love you back with your love, that we may love one another with your love, so that when the world sees our love for one another, they would know that we're your disciples and they would praise you, Father. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst, for the purchase of the building for Ave South, for our mission journey, for our current deacons and the deacons you're going to raise up. Father, for every man and woman here, we praise you, we thank you, Father, for Engage Middle Tennessee yesterday, Dia de los Niños, for every small group. Lord Jesus, we lift up Ukraine. I'm just praying with Josh this morning. It's so easy to forget major conflicts across the world. And it's not the only place. But Jesus, as Prince of Peace, speak your peace over Ukraine. Bring massive revival. Jesus, we need you. Speak to us through your word. And we ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. You all may be seated. Eric, sorry for teasing you, bud. I loved our trip. It was awesome. In this new series, last week, Winston started it out. uh, Up at night, tough questions that we ask ourselves late at night. And Winston, I want to say, where'd Winston go? Right there. I'm blind as a bat. Thank you. And I must admit, uh, Winston, you did a great job. And I know it was Holy Spirit. But it's tough following you because with that accent you have, I mean, everybody gives you 100 extra points on your IQ. And then I get up here, start speaking some good Southern, and y'all dock me about 50 points. So it's a hard, you're hard to follow. And I'm just teasing. But you did a great job. If you were not here or did not listen to Winston's words, it was Holy Spirit filled. And it's in John, 1 John chapter 5, am I really saved? Today we're asking, am I really loved? And we, at night, when we're laying there on our pillow, tons of questions go through our mind. Did I set my alarm? Where's my phone? Do I have enough gas in the car to get to work? Are the kids asleep? Are the kids sick? Did, the, did I take the dog out to go pee? Do I need to go pee? All those questions we ask. But sometimes the deeper ones bubble up. What am I doing with my life? Am I really loved? Am I wanted? Even some of the practical ones. What about that debt I've got to pay off? What about my job? My boss is an ogre. Oh, man, my classmates, my teachers. And a lot of those questions go through us today. Am I really loved? Another way of saying it is, am I wanted? 
And I started, and I'll be honest with you guys, I think part of it just being on this emotional high, the spiritual high on the, on the trip to Mexico, coming back, I think I got sick. The allergies, man, we were 7,000 feet up in the desert. My allergies went away within the first six hours of being in Mexico. I got back here and within six hours, they just punched me right back in the face. So if you look at me, I haven't been crying. I'm not really sick, but the allergies are just wearing me out. I can't wait till it's 99 degrees in July. The allergies will be gone. Then I'll be ready for winter time. But I've really struggled with this sermon. And one of the questions asked, am I really loved? That's a question that we need to ask. But even a more important question is this. I'm going to ask you, think about it. Here's my question for you. How do you define love? Don't shout it out. But how do you define love? How would you describe it? How do you define it? I jumped on YouTube and I watched 42 people being interviewed. trying to define the word love. None of them could do it. There were five people, and I took the time to watch. There were only five who could halfway give a semi-maybe mediocre answer. The rest of them literally started with, oh, oh, gosh, uh, well, um, man, that's hard. Uh, How do you define love? Here were some of the answers. Being happy, tolerant of others, accepting people for who they are, living at peace, a feeling of ultimate trust and respect, unconditional acceptance of someone. Love are those feelings, warm fuzzies you have inside for someone. Someone said you can't define it. There is no definition. It's the energy and the good of all of us. Love travels through time and space. I was actually pretty discouraged. We talk a lot about love. We're to love God. We're to love our neighbor. We've seen the sign, love is love, but I go back. Yeah, but what is love? Almost everyone who gave the definitions, it revolved around feelings, emotions, being tolerant. But I asked the question, is that love? So I went to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary online, and there's like nine definitions. Here's the first one, an intense feeling of deep affection or admiration of another, a warm attachment, enthusiasm, or devotion to, brotherly concern for another, a great interest and pleasure in something to like or enjoy very much. I was, to be honest, I was utterly, completely disappointed. Is that really the definition of love? There's a gazillion synonyms, deep affection, fondness, Tenderness, warmth, intimacy, attachment, endearment, devotion, adoration, doting, idolization, worship, passion, desire, lust, yearning, infatuation, adulation, compassion, care, caring. I could go on and on. Is that really love? What is love? How would you define love? I'll be honest, all of these definitions and synonyms, they left me wanting. And deep down inside of me, I'm like, "Mm, this is not it. It wasn't until I came to the fourth definition on the Merriam-Webster dictionary that said this, an unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. 
an unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of one another. And I thought, ah, now we're on to something. But it still lacks. It's still wanting more. So again, I ask, what is love? Most of us can could quote or at least cite part of what is the greatest commandment. The Old Testament has 613 commandments. There are 10 that most of us could kind of could kind of quote. And praise the Lord Jesus, he whittled it all down to two. We're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And we're to love our neighbor as ourself. Those are the two great commandments. We do that according to Jesus. <clears throat> And we've summed up all the law. But again, I ask, what is love? How would you define love? Here in John chapter 4, and it's a long passage. And originally, the only verse that we were going to preach on was verse 19. We love because he first loved us. But I was left with like, that's too hard. Because we need to understand what is love. What does love mean? So let's back it up to verse seven. So open your Bibles to first John, not the gospel of John, but first John. First John chapter four, verse seven. And Wayne, I don't owe you a steak dinner because I'm finally using my glasses. About three years ago, I pulled my glasses out for the first time. And I bet if I don't do it, I'd give Wayne a steak dinner and I never wore my glasses up here. I'm not wearing my glasses. I can't read these verses. Verse 7, it says right here, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay, we start out again, love, love, love. God is love. Okay, so what is love? What starts with God? God is love. And we're commanded It's inferred here. We're to love one another. But what is love? It's the question I have, and I want this question to burn in your souls this whole week. What is love? Because one of the questions we do ask, am I really loved? Am I really wanted? And the answer is yes. But most of us have not experienced it. Most of us doubt it. We don't know it. But God is love. But here in verse 9, we're beginning to get a glimpse of what is love. In verse 9, it says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the first definition of love is God is love. But what is God's love? God's love is the word in Greek, agape or agape. And it's a love that flows from the heart of God. And it is a commitment, a total, complete, 100% commitment for the well-being and honor of another. That is what love is. Feelings are wrapped around it, but aren't part of it. Do you know that since the 12th century, scientists believe that over a hundred million songs have been written about love? Over a hundred million. And I'm not going to sing any of them for you, but it is the most popular title in any music, love. 
but almost all of it revolves around emotions and feelings. We've heard this. We fall in love. I love pizza. I love ice cream. I love UT football. No, I don't. I love myself. That's why I eat ice cream, because it tastes good. I love myself, so I ate a big, huge burger from Five Guys last night, and I'm suffering today. I don't love the burger. I love me. That's why I eat what I want. But that's not love. In, in English, unfortunately, we use the word love for a bunch of stuff. But love in Scripture, and there's four Greek words for the word love throughout Scripture, and they mean four different things. But when we see about God's love, it's agape. It's agape. That's the name of the church we visited in Mexico, agape. God's love. And that's that commitment that God has that flows from him. And it starts with the Trinity. And it's really hard to describe the Trinity. Don't worry. It'll take all eternity to understand God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But God, one God and three persons, they've been loving each other for all eternity. The Father honoring the Son, the Son honoring the Father, them both honoring Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit honoring them. When Jesus was here on earth, he always said, I only do what the Father says. I'm here to glorify him and to reveal the Father. The Father continually said, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And then Jesus says, when I leave, Holy Spirit's coming, and he's going to glorify me. They're all about each other, and they deserve so because they're God. And they're committed as one God for the well-being of one another. But out of God's love for himself, which sounds really selfish, but it's not because God is pure and he's holy and he's good and he's just. He created all things for his glory because of his love, to share his love with his creation. And out of God flows true love. That's why John here says God is love. Now, Winston, you nailed it last week when you said the Apostle Paul is like a lawyer and he's got bullet point A, B, C, D, sub bullet point one, two, three, four. John literally is a painter. And I think he's one of those painters that like took a bunch of paint buckets and kind of slung it up at the canvas, you know, with his artistic way he wrote. And this whole passage, it just weaves in and out. He says several times, God is love. But then he describes here, this is how God revealed his love. This is what love consists of. And he repeats it several times in this passage. He sent his one and only son. You see, Jesus is a man. He was a man. But he's also the eternal second person of the Trinity. And so that's why you'll see in English many times, they'll say one and only son, the only begotten son. Because even though Jesus became a man, he's more than just a man. Even though Jesus calls us brother and sister, he's so much more. He's God's unique, eternal son who didn't have to come down here and live as one of us. But even before the creation of the world, when in the heart of our father, God wanted to create all things, Jesus was like, I'll go, I'll do it. I will willing and lovingly do it. Do what? Become a man and have our nature and live like one of us and be tempted and tried in every way and then take the sins of the world upon his own body and be broken and shedding his blood so that we might have forgiveness and eternal life, an atoning sacrifice. Jesus said himself, oh, very few people 
would sacrifice and give up their life for a good person, much less for someone who's evil. Jesus has given up his life for over 700 billion people, none of who are good. We are all wicked. We are all evil. There are 7.5 billion, that's with a B, who are living today. Think of the other few billion that have lived. I wonder how many billions of humans have lived who Jesus died for. And none of us are good. We are as wicked and evil as we can imagine. The heart is more wicked than anything else. And yet Jesus willingly, he came down. He was tried and tempted in every way to die for you and for me. That is amazing love. How can it be that God, my Savior, would die for me? And Paul repeats it. uh, Paul, sorry. Sorry, John. John repeats it several times in verse 11. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. How do we remain in God? And I got to go quick. Time is... John talks about it. He says, God has given us his spirit. Well, how do we get the Holy Spirit in us? Well, we need to confess Jesus, your Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Because when we confess and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Holy Spirit, who is God himself, lives in us and abides in us. And Jesus himself has said, and this can get kind of confusing from time to time, but in John 14, Jesus asks the question, Who is it that loves me? And this is what Jesus says. In John 14, 21, Jesus says, the one who has my commands. Okay, if you have your Bible, if it's on your smartphone, just hold it up. He who has Jesus' commands. Okay, we got him. Some of you guys are like this. God sees. I'm just messing with you. (laughs) We have his commands. But Jesus says, whoever has God's commands and keeps them, that's obeying them is the one who loves Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. Jesus isn't talking about perfection. But Jesus has tons of parables. He talks about the father with two sons. He went to the first one and says, go out to the field and work. And that son said, I'm not going. He goes to the second son, go out to the field and work. And the second son says, I'll go. But the second son never went out. The first son repented and went out to the field. So who obeyed their father is the first one, the one who obeyed. Jesus goes on to say, he says, and the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Now, God loves the whole world, but Jesus is talking about abiding in him. And when we abide and walk in humble obedience, loving obedience with Jesus, the intimacy and the relationship we have with the Father, there's something dynamic and deeper that grows. God doesn't love us more, but his love is revealed to us in a deeper, greater way as we walk in humble, loving obedience. And that relationship with him grows as we remain and abide in him. And there's even commandments that Jesus gives us when we sin. Confess it to him. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other and you'll be healed. 
John continues here in 1 John. He says, God is love. Now, we need to be very careful that we don't mess this up where we see God is love. That means love is God. Sounds logical, correct? God is love. So that means love is God. Well, not necessarily. Because God is also good. God is holy. God is righteous. God is true. Love is one of many attributes of who God is. True love, real love, is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not the warm fuzzies you feel for one another as, a, as dating as teenagers. It's not that love we have for a supreme pizza or a quadruple scoop of chocolate ice cream with fudge on top. Love flows from God. And it is embodied in Jesus Christ. So when we're commanded or when it's inferred, we love God because he first loves us. Yeah, love starts with God. And John kind of concludes here at the very end when he says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother or his sister, the love of God is not in him. That person is a liar. Because how can we say we love God who we haven't seen and yet hate our brother and sister who we have seen? Wayne, you're not going to know this, but I want to thank you. A year or two ago, I I preached on love. And Wayne came up to me afterwards. He goes, you're not hurt. And I can't remember how you told told me this, but many people think that the opposite of love is hate. And Wayne was telling me, no, it's indifference. Think about it. And I've really pondered that. When you're indifferent, it means you just have a hard heart. Just hard. You don't care. Apathetic. And we could run to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 or 4 through 8a. It's that incredible love passage that's usually read at every wedding. Love, and this is a great description. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, it's not self-seeking. This is an incredible description of love. Of those 42 people, not a single person even came close to even quoting any of this. Is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness. That one has hit me a lot lately. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness. But it rejoices with the truth. What is true? What is right? It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And we have to walk through the tulip, tiptoe through the tulips on that little bears all things, hopes all things. Because it's not this blind, well, I just hope Tennessee beats Alabama this year. That's not what this passage is talking about. If you don't know Tennessee, Alabama football, sorry for the bad joke. I hope it doesn't rain tonight. No, no, no. The hope and the belief that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians is the deep assurance and confidence that we have in Jesus, knowing that even when we go through valleys and difficult times, Jesus sustains us. He holds us up. Love endures all things. 
in closing, there's three things that I really want to hit home for you all. The first one is this. We first have to ask, what is the meaning of love? How would you describe it? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 defines it. And Jesus embodies it. I want to encourage all of us to start right there. I want to ask the worship team to come forward as we close in a song. And I want to invite everybody to please stand. Am I really loved? Yes, you are. Let's all stand up. Am I really loved? Yes, you are. And Jesus' life, ministry, sacrifice on the cross embodies our Heavenly Father's great love for you. And I want to encourage you this week to meditate on the fact that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you so that you might be with him forever. And it starts now. I really want to encourage you guys to meditate this week on 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 John chapter 4. Mary, that's homework. Expect a five-page paper on Sunday, okay? My third question, and it's two parts. Who in your life needs to know and experience God's love? And how will you show it to them this week? Who in your life needs to know and experience God's love? And how will you show it to them this week? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. And Jesus, you love us. You love us more than we could possibly ask or imagine. And we thank you. Lord, may we experience that love today. May we know it and may we give it away. And we love you, Jesus. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. And amen. As we sing, if you need prayer, some of us will be down here ready to pray with you. Let's sing. Let's worship.